When I was growing up, there was one Christmas, and I don't remember the exact year, but I know I was a teenager, and it wasn't the first year that I had a CD player, but my parents got me for Christmas that year the red and the blue albums by the Beatles. And I don't know if you remember these compilations, but basically it was like a greatest hits album sort of a thing but it was the Beatles, so it couldn't just be one disc. It was four discs, and the red was two of those, and that was the early years. The blue was the later years, another two discs. And it was great. I mean, it was a, a great gift that I still appreciate now. Um, but I found out, I don't remember how many years ago, but I was a priest, and found out that there were a lot of songs I wasn't introduced to, and found this out in listening to I'm pretty sure it was their very last album, Abbey Road. Now, I already knew some of the songs on Abbey Road, like Come Together and Let It Be. However, there were some that didn't quite make the greatest hits cuts, but are still really good songs. Like, if you listen to that album all the way to the end, there's this part where they say, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. And I was like, wow, it's, it's a pretty profound thing that they're saying there, and it's something I've quoted in many a homily over the years. And just kind of found out that when I was sticking to the greatest hits, didn't really get to know the fullness of the Beatles catalog, right? Now, at this point, you're probably thinking, for goodness sakes, Father, last week it was Star Trek, this week it's the Beatles. But I do have a point to make here. So... When it comes to things like the greatest hits, right, you're not getting the fullness of everything that was meant to be communicated. And in something a lot more important than modern rock music, sacred scripture, the same sort of thing happens. When we go from Sunday to Sunday, we don't get the entirety of the gospel. You know, we are on the 33rd Sunday right now of ordinary time. We're almost at the end of year C. Next week will be Christ the King Sunday, and then we move into Advent. We start year A, and we'll start focusing more on the Gospel of Matthew. Now, over the last 30-something weeks of Ordinary Time, we've been getting, like, the greatest hits of Luke, right? Like the Prodigal Son and some of the other ones. However, we have not gotten the entirety of the Gospel of Luke. It's been more like the greatest hits. And what I would recommend is when we do this from Sunday to Sunday, look at the scripture citation that we're going to be hearing at Mass. For example, the deacon just proclaimed chapter 21, verses 5 to 19. Last week, we concluded at chapter 20, verse 38. That was when Jesus and the Sadducees were sparring over whether or not there is a resurrection, and they gave him that ridiculous example of the seven brothers and the one wife and all that. So that ended at verse 38. Today, we pick up 13 verses later. So we missed a few things as we move into our Lord going right into talking about the end of time, you know, the apocalypse, things coming to an end, the temple being torn down. But I'll just say, once again, we don't get the fullness of everything there. And God bless the editors. Like, we can't get the entirety of the gospel every Sunday. We just don't have time. You know, it's like an hour-ish that we're together. There's got to be some things that we don't hear. However, we got access to sacred scripture, and I highly recommend looking at it because when you read these first four verses of chapter 21 that we missed, it gives you a much fuller picture of the gospel we just got. It starts like this. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. 
And he saw a poor widow put in two copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all the living that she had. And then it goes right into, while some people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and offerings, Jesus said, all that you see here, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. So, the context of these people being amazed by the temple, right? And these are folks mainly that have come down with him from Galilee. My favorite scripture scholar, Dr. John Bergsma, likes to say those folks from Galilee Galilee is like the West Virginia of the Holy Land, right? Like, they're out in the sticks. They're coming down from the hills. That is nothing negative about West Virginia. So if you're from there, like, no need to apologize. It's like, you know, it's almost heaven. Just listen to John Denver, right? I don't only listen to the Beatles. So you think about that, right? They're, they're amazed by the temple. But notice, right before that, what was Jesus amazed by? The widow who put in, as I love this translation, she put in from her poverty all the living that she had. These folks are impressed, understandably so, by the votive offerings, the costly stones, just the impressive aspect of the temple. They didn't really see that up in Galilee. And it's like all this like obvious in your face, it's so amazing. But notice, that's not what Jesus is impressed by. He's impressed by this widow giving all of the living that she had, which quite frankly, probably had very little impact on the budget, like the budgetary operations of the temple, you know, deal, right? But yet, that's what God is impressed by. The second person, the Holy Trinity, looks at this act of devotion, this sincerity. She's giving all she has, and then they go to being all excited about just like the glories of the temple. All right, and then he immediately says, well, all this is going to be torn down. And notice once again what happens here. Teacher, when will this happen? What sign will there be? Every time in sacred scripture, people ask about the end of things. When is this all going to happen? It's an understandable reaction, right? It's like, we want to know when the end is coming. I want to know what my deadline is. But he never says, well, when these three stars line up this way, it's not that. It's see that you not be deceived. A lot of people are going to tell you this is the end. It's not. Don't be terrified. There's going to be a lot of wars. It's not the end yet. What does he ultimately tell us to do? By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. And once again, look at the in-between part here. What's he impressed by? The offering of that widow, giving all of the living that she had. Now, just like I'm saying, don't just be satisfied with the greatest hits. Jesus isn't either. He doesn't just pay attention to our greatest hits. You know, those biggest days of our lives, our wedding day, which for some of us was yesterday, right? Our ordination day, our graduation day. All these things are amazing. It's good. But that's not the entirety of our lives. Jesus notices the little details. No one else sees this widow putting in the small amounts, but he sees she gave all of the living that she had. He wants us to do the same thing. There's always going to be a temptation to think, is this the end? We scream out and think, is this the end of it all, right? I don't know. But we do know this, that all of us have an individual expiration date. So does all of this. The world could end tonight, it could end in a thousand years. And for each of us individually, it could end tonight, it could end in 50 years. We don't know. So what do we have to do? 
By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. We don't need to sit around and think, oh my gosh, this could be the end. Rather, we have to do what St. Paul says. He's writing this letter, his second, to the Thessalonians because that's what they were going through. They're all convinced Jesus is coming tomorrow. So a group of them are like, I'm not going to work. Just going to sit back. And I love, there's a different translation too. Some of you are not keeping busy, but are minding the business of others. Another translation I love is, you're not keeping busy, but acting like busy bodies. Like gossiping, talking about these different theories, but not doing the good work our Lord is asking you to do. The, the just fidelity to daily duties. Because notice... That's what Jesus is impressed by. That's what St. Paul is telling them to do. Those of you who aren't working, not willing to work, you shouldn't eat then, you know? You gotta do the work you're supposed to do to earn your daily bread. And the beautiful thing is, our Lord, who's not just impressed by the greatest hits, wants us to pay attention to the daily details of our life. It's in the midst of those, done with love and devotion, that we find him, and we grow in happiness, in holiness. He wants us to persevere in the daily duties. A great saint to read, St. John Henry Newman, who lived in the 19th century in England, uh, was a very famous Anglican priest and eventually converted to Catholicism. Reading his stuff is great because you're reading someone who writes in English, so we're not getting a translation. This is actually what he wrote. But someone asked him about How do I become holy? How do I become perfect? Is the Heavenly Father is perfect? Is Jesus is telling us to do that? This is what St. John Henry Newman said. It is the saying of holy men that if we wish to be perfect, we have nothing more to do than to perform the ordinary duties of the day well. A short road to perfection. Short, but not because it's easy, but because pertinent and intelligible. There are no short ways to perfection, but there are sure ones. So if you ask me what you are to do in order to be perfect, I say, first, do not lie in bed beyond the due time of rising. This is funny to me because this is back in the 19th century. He didn't have a snooze button, right? So I don't know how it's like, tell the rooster, just calm down for a few minutes, get back to me in 15 minutes. No, get up when it's time to get up, right? And remember, when that alarm goes off and that initial temptation is, Good God, it's morning. But switch it around. Good morning, God, right? Immediately, as he says here, give your first thoughts to God. Go right to the morning offering. Lord, I give you all of it today. My thoughts, my actions, my sufferings, my joys. I want you in the midst of it all. I give it all to you. To thank him for the gift of another day. And I know, when you got to get out of bed, when all of a sudden it was 70-something yesterday and it's 30-something now, it's a little bit harder to get out of bed. Sound familiar? It was like that this morning, right? So it can be harder, but we give that first thought to God. The next thing, make a good visit to the Blessed Sacrament. Remember, he's here. Stop by and see him. That's why we leave the church unlocked all day long, every day. Say the Angelus devoutly. Stop three times a day. Thank God for the incarnation. I love his next one. Eat and drink to God's glory. Love that. Say the blessing before meals. You know, once again, one of my favorite phrases, we thank God for the gift of beer by not drinking too much of it. When you pour yourself one, say, to the Blessed Mother, offer it up. It's a great thing to do. We offer up the hard things, offer up the good things. Say the rosary well. Why? It's the mysteries of the life of Christ. Mary teaching us about the gospel. 
And to do it in such an accessible way is so wonderful. Be recollected. The next one, keep out bad thoughts. And I love that. Be careful what you're putting in your mind. If you're watching garbage on the internet, of course, you're going to have bad thoughts. It's just like if you eat a whole bag of Snickers, you're not going to feel good. It's not rocket science. It's just the way that it is. So keep out the bad thoughts by being careful what you put in your mind. Make your evening meditation well. And I would say, just as a plug for, you know, not just the greatest hits of the gospel, Look back, see where we were last Sunday, where we're going next Sunday. Read the stuff in between. Ask our Lord to help you understand it more. Examine yourself daily. Look at the opportunities from today that maybe you pounced on. I had this opportunity to help this little guy out. He was feeling down in the dumps. I smiled at him and gave him a high five. Woohoo! Then there was somebody else that I just totally walked by because they're annoying and I didn't want to do it. And I'm sorry that I did that. You know, like to look at the day and ask God to help you. The final one. Go to bed in good time. And then he ends with, and you are already perfect. So look at it that way. I know that as we look at apocalyptic readings and, oh, this could be the end. And now, who knows? And people have been saying that. I mean, this is people saying it 2,000 years ago, talking to Jesus. What's he impressed by? The widow who gave her whole living. And when we give our whole living, is there an economic aspect? Of course. We earn a wage. We need to give what we can. We need to tithe. That's crucial. It's not the whole piece, though. And our Lord knows what the details are for each of us. For some of us, 20 bucks a week may be nothing. For some of us, 20 bucks a year may be an incredible feat. He knows the difference. Because ultimately, our Lord is not just interested in the greatest hits. He doesn't just have a cursory look at our life. He knows the intimate details. He wants us to give him greater glory by living every moment of every day in love with him and in love with the people he's put around us. So how do we live in the right way in this perseverance? Do the daily duty well. Do it with love. If that means changing a diaper right after Mass, great, I get it. I wouldn't want to do it either. But you say, God, I give you glory. Thank you for my little guy. Not looking forward to this, but he do it out of love for you and for him, right? If there's someone at work that you can just tell has been down lately, talk to them. And when they say, when you say, how are you doing? They say, fine. Say, are you sure? Because you don't seem fine. To do that out of love for God, to have that moment could be something that's life-changing for that person. And all of us have these little things that we can do each day, giving of our whole living, not just in copper coins, but in all of the different opportunities that he offers us every day. Don't fall into the trap of just saying, teacher, when will this happen? When's this all going to end? Who knows? Who knows how long each one of us has? But we have right now. We have today. Let's pray for that grace to take advantage of the daily duty, to do it, to strive to live in that perfection. Because the glory is our Lord pays attention. He doesn't just want to focus on the greatest hits of your life, but every single moment. Praise be Jesus Christ.